What is going on, everyone? And thank you for tuning in to The Shock Factor with Jake and Jordan, where I, Stephen Shock, am joined by the great Jake Mintz and Jordan Schusterman. Fellas, how are we doing? We are spectacular, my friend. It is so good to be back with you, Mr. Shock. We uh, have returned from a week in Florida watching Major League Baseball spring training. And my goodness, I am so excited to be talking about college baseball again. I got to say, you know, Jordan, like we watched a lot of spring training and then I got home today and I was at my computer. It was 1 p.m. and there was a whole slate of spring training action available to me on MLB.com, a platform that I pay for. And instead of watching that, I watched zero spring training. I turned on college baseball because when given the choice, there is no choice because one is guys you get to watch all year pretending to try, and the other is high-energy baseball. Steven Shock, do you feel me? I, I feel you, and I feel you well. Because, you know, you're down watching spring training. That's great. That's good. That's grand. But where are these guys starting off? College ball, mostly. Except for the international players who are going to be in the big leagues next week, if we're all being honest. That's where, that's where they're starting. It's very true, and uh, we have we've got we've got some fun stuff on the show this week. So while while Jake and I obviously were a little busy, uh, shock. This is the beauty of working with our friend Stephen here. Is uh, one scroll down the timeline, you'll be caught up in a hurry. Um, <laughs> but even with all of our MLB obligations, it was very difficult to miss what happened in Lubbock <laughs> this weekend. Uh, let's begin on Friday night with the 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 uh, the steal of home heard around the world. Uh, Kurt Wilson um, in the bottom of the 10th inning facing off against the mighty Texas Longhorns, who we've certainly been talking uh, plenty about uh, here on the Shock Factor thus far. He decided, uh, you know what? Do I want to count on my teammate to drive me in here? Aaron Nixon, he's really good. He's one of the better relievers in college baseball. I'm just going to go. I think I'm just going to run. I'm just going to run. I'm just going to steal home, which is a thing that is one of the coolest things in all of sports. But Jake Mintz, this was one of the weirder examples of that because the the pitcher just kind of stood there. <laughs> That's what yes. happened. <laughs> so there was, there was no contest, right? And this play kind of develops, unfolds very beautifully, right? This, this pitcher comes set with his head down, right? That is a thing that some pitchers do. But this guy keeps his head down for a long time before re- kind of picking up. Now, clearly, Kurt Wilson, the guy on third, thought about, like, had seen this and had him perfectly timed up. The, the first thing you see that there's any indication that the runner is going, because it's the camera angle from behind on plate, is the runner on second base, uh, Washburn, throws his hands up in the air. Everything else on the play is normal. I guess the catcher is starting to stand up. The pitcher couldn't give a flying ass. He has not moved a fiber. And then all of a sudden, darting in from from stage right, Kurt Wilson. It is incredible. At And the pitcher doesn't even pick his head up until the guy enters the frame. It is truly a spectacular highlight. Shock? Which, which my thought process on it, and I didn't actually think of this. This isn't an organic thought. This was a reply on Twitter that... If the pitcher threw one strike, like if he just gathered and threw a strike, even even as he's like running home, I'm pretty sure that would have been game over. So you got the catcher standing up, which is going to make it pretty difficult to throw and to execute a good pitch. And But it seems like I think Texas's only hope in that situation was to just deliver a pitch right off the top of the catcher's knee guard. And I, I, I right. could be wrong on this. I don't know the rules, but like someone just mentioned that, and I was like, you know what? This guy might be a genius. But it reminded me of that, like, if you guys remember the clip, it was of like a Madden football clip where one of the wide receivers had broken his leg early in the game. Greg Jennings. Oh, Greg, come on. Greg commented, Jennings. We know, yeah, we Greg know Jennings. Yeah, Greg yeah. Jennings. And, you know, Dan Shopper, the hottest hitting safety in the whole league, is coming. But he put the team on his back, though. Kurt Wilson is Greg Jennings in this situation. <laughs> With and two I, functioning I got to tip my legs. cap to him. <laughs> yeah, he did have both legs, and no one tried to tackle him. Although, in a confusing situation like this, I could see a catcher doing it. 
Mm. Shock, have you ever stolen home or had someone steal home on you? Believe it or not, I have never stolen home despite my incredible speed. I was just never on third base. If I were on third base, I'd have at least one stolen base attempt at home. And it would have been successful probably. But it's always been a fear of mine that someone was going to steal home on me because when I was in a 14U tournament at Sports at the Beach here in Delaware, which I drove by earlier, love that place, and someone was in the windup and I watched someone steal home and I just... I was embarrassed on behalf of the pitcher. So it's always been something I try to avoid. I, like, I'll check the runner on third like I would check the runner on first back in my day, back when I played. <laughs> so it never happened. Just to be clear, it never happened to you? No, never. I was right. never, ever involved in one. <laughs> As Jordan knows, I'm not going to tell this story right now, right here, but I have stealing, stolen home. That is something that I did do in high school – also, as a walk-off, I should say, there is a whole story behind it. Yes, it was a walk-off, Jordan. Uh, it was one of the least moral things I've ever done, and I'm not going to talk about, about why. <laughs> All right. Well, on that tease, uh, let's move to Kurt Wilson's Saturday night, which, oh my again. My, my, uh, this, is, this is great. You know, like when, you, when, you're, when things are rolling good and like you have one of those rare weekends for me and you, Jordan, where you know Jordan and I don't go out a lot, right? We're we're not big going out on the weekend types, right? I know we're so I know you think we're real cool, but we're not. You know, you go out on Friday (laughs) night and you have a great time, right? And then you follow that up on Saturday night, you get out of your shell again, back to back nights, and you do it all over again. And that's Kurt Wilson, ladies and gentlemen. Great night on Friday, outstanding night on Saturday, where they walk off grand salami for Texas Tech. Yeah, and the Friday night game was was crazy back and forth. Obviously went to extra innings. This was extra innings too. Texas, 21 hits, and they lost this game on this walk-off Grand Slam. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Kurt Wilson, are you going to have a better, you know, 24 hours than, than that? I don't, I'm not sure. Uh, but it was <laughs> – it's it's incredible. It's it's. I mean, what having walk offs in any under any circumstance. If it was a walk off single to right and then a walk off single to left, that is the crazy walk. Well, you know, this is it. This will. I don't know if it's ever been done. I don't know if it can possibly be replicated. The fact that it, if it was just one team doing this, let alone the same player, that would be unbelievable. Uh, but shock. What, what was yeah. your favorite favorite part of, of this walk off Grand Slam? Uh, the ball definitely definitely carrying out there in Lubbock with that oppo juice just um, barely over the fence. My my favorite part was definitely I I loved all aspects of it except the call. The call of it was just like, oh, and um yeah, he hit a grand slam and now the game's over essentially, which to me I was like, okay, on a Texas broadcast, that makes sense cuz they just got walked off on. But this was a Texas Tech broadcast. And that's the that's the amount of emotion they got. Like, I don't know. I'm glad you guys tweeted the video where you synced up the video with the radio home run oh, yeah, call. That, I didn't. So, I, I pulled that just so be much better. It is so much better. The radio call that, was amazing. Um, I believe the guy's name is Jeff Haxton, I think, uh, who was on the call there. Um, but yeah, I mean that. It, it can be done. Like, to me, this wasn't even as much of a criticism, as much as, like, I don't even understand how you can watch that game and that ending and not be just, like, losing your mind, right? Because part of it is not just, oh, my God, our team won, or, or the team won, or any team won. It's, oh, my God, the game's over. Like, that game was, like, four hours long. Like, that's another yeah. reason that a walk-off call can sometimes be amazing is, like, it's over. <laughs> like, Get to go home. <laughs> <laughs> Adios, muchacho. Yeah. I'm gonna so, play it. I'm just gonna play that, that radio call. I'm just gonna play. Actually, Jordan, should I play? Uh, you want to play the, the the two of them back to back? Yes. I can. I'll put them in please, here. Okay. Please play them back to back so that we can really uh, understand the, uh, the, the 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 you know the juxtaposition. Take take a listen. All right, and here is the radio call. Yeah, I mean the it is. It's great. That's why radio is good. You know, radio is not dead. Video did not kill the radio. Well, it, it, and especially because too, like, <laughs> if 
the radio, like, you have to describe everything. Whereas, like, at least I can see what was going <laughs> on. You know, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, it's much more understandable. So th- that was a little disappointing. But all things considered, certainly didn't ruin Kurt Wilson's weekend. Sure, Texas, you know, kicked the crap out of them on Sunday. But the Red Raiders are taking that all day long. But no one will remember that. No one's going <laughs> to, like, I don't yeah. care. Like, that's good for Texas, the baseball team. But, like, the, the three of us, Jordan, we're not about the wins and losses. We're the hype beast world of college baseball, okay? You you make a memory. You make a meme. You make a highlight. That's more important to me than going, going you know, Yeah. Up. Hey, guess who, guess who doesn't care that he didn't get a hit today? Kurt Wilson. <laughs> still a good weekend. My, I, I was just looking at it. You know what's still impressive? Like, today was only a seven-inning game. They still got 27 innings in on the weekend because, you know, you won 10 innings Friday, 10 innings Saturday. No one, no one got cheated. You know, they didn't get the extra, like, you know, free baseball stuff. But at the same time, they still made up for it. I'm just kind of wondering what was holding Kurt Wilson back today on Sunday, March 27th, from hitting a 12-run walk-off home run, you know? The, the laws it, of I'm, baseball. I'm st- I'm starting to think he might be a me guy, you know? Yeah, it's like, hey, how bad did you really want it, Kurt? <laughs> a me guy. You're if just you going to fold on Sunday? Hey, what do you call multiple me guys? What? Us the guys. Guys. The, the Migos. All right, we're going to move on to the other outstanding series of the weekend. Tennessee against Ole Miss, two number one teams facing mm. off. We'll get to what that means in a second. But on uh, <laughs> Friday night, Tennessee just gas pumped. I believe they they oh, molly whopped them. I believe they, it's the scientific term. They, yeah, my my favorite oh. term. They shit pumped. Shit pumped them. <laughs> uh, now Tennessee, thus far this year, has been doing that to a lot of teams. However, none of those teams we thought were anywhere close to as good as Ole Miss, and that's true, right? They've had a very weak schedule. Played some home games against teams like Iona and put up a billion runs. Why Iona? <laughs> and so, <laughs> this was a bit... Now, not that people didn't think Tennessee was good, right? I mean, they, they're, they're, they are... Just, no one's doubting that they're good. But, like, okay, let's see you do it in Oxford. And the volunteers said, okay, we'll do. I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. So, 12 to 1 <laughs> on Friday night. And then what happened after that 12 to 1 game? Uh, so 12 to 1 and in that game a gentleman named so their their starter uh, John Gaddis uh, got crushed. Uh, didn't make that at the second inning. Oh miss. They bring in a gentleman named Dylan Delucia who I got to say pitch well. Pitch well. 6 and 2 thirds in relief. Mm. You know, he still gave up 5 runs but like that is big to Get you know that, that that's yeah. good to save some of your arms. For Saturday and Sunday, like that should definitely set them up pretty well, even if they're getting crushed on the Friday night, right? Right. I mean, yeah. Get that, get that man a bag of ice and a cold beer. Absolutely. So, like Dylan Delucia, he did his job, but then after the game, Dylan Delucia also decided to say some words to the public. <laughs> and he said, "Never do it." He was no, always do it. I'll talk about why I love this quote, but let me read it first. He said, "Quote: We took them lightly." It won't happen again. We will win tomorrow. I'll tell you that. It's one of those things where they play in a small field. We have a bigger field. So we thought we could throw it into them. It didn't work out. We missed some spots, and that's why they ended up hitting homers. Tomorrow will be a lot better. So that did not happen. Uh, the, on Saturday, I believe Tennessee crushed them. Again, like crushed them. 10 again, to 3. Right? 10 to 3. 10 now, to three. now, to be fair, I, I, I want to say, to be fair to Dylan DeLucia, um, they didn't homer anymore. Now, did they, they did hit eight... Uh, <laughs> Eight doubles <laughs> and scored. <laughs> it was ten to three, um, but they didn't homer anyway. They didn't even homer on Sunday, so yeah. they did win on Sunday. A close game, I believe, it was five to four um, to sweep the series four in to Oxford. Three. Yeah. Four to three. Yep. Four to three. Now I think where from where we sit now on our ivory tower on Sunday night, it is easy to look at this quote from Mr. Dylan Delucia and throw boo 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 tomato tomato. You have egg on your face. You look like a dummy. Okay. Now, yeah, it looks silly now, and I'm, I'll be the first to say that. But what I don't want to happen is I don't want something like this to disincentivize college players from saying interesting shit. Totally One of the agree. problems with Major League Baseball, 
and Jordan and I have covered it for years, is that players don't say anything. There's no spice. Most quotes are boring. You know, there's no confidence. That's what I love about college baseball is there's less of a filter involved. And sometimes what that means is you end up looking a little silly. But, you know, if they had gone out, if Ole Miss had gone out and dominated Tennessee, then this quote we would be talking about it the other way around. So in my opinion, it does – okay, the, the part about this field size is dumb. That's stupid. That doesn't <laughs> mean anything. That, that's not what I was going to say. I was okay, going to say – The field size yeah. thing is stupid. Let me, let, let me finish. The field size thing is dumb no matter what, even if they had won. But what I'm saying is if they go out and they kick Tennessee's ass on Saturday and Sunday, when him going – it won't happen again. Like Ole Miss fans are gonna like put that on a T-shirt. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Yes. Although, I'm with generally with these, and and Shaka, we're gonna go to you here in a second. Generally with these, it does still feel like far more downside than upside. That said, I totally agree with you, and I don't want players to not be talking. Like I, I, you're so you're so right. And the small field thing is both a fact and also really silly. Particularly the way, <laughs> the way he said it, it's like. It's just one of those things. I mean, they just have a small field. It's like, well, look, dude, like, they're really good. Like, <laughs> you can't – like, they were hitting balls out of Minute Maid, okay? Like, at some point, you can't you, – th- that's it, like th- that's the thing. That's where you got to come correct. You both got to back it up with, with what you're saying, and then you got to back it up on the field, right? But that's fine. I, I agree with your general point, and I also just think that there's more downside than upside, but I also think that you're right. I don't want to discourage – guys from saying and we had another example with Arizona State which we'll get to in a second but Chuck what did what did you what did you think about it? I mean yeah obviously it's funny in retrospect it is indisputably yeah. a funny outcome if, but if yeah. Joe Namath lost the Super Bowl he would have been a, a joke but he won it's not what he said it's what he did uh, yeah that but, see, ahead, that's fair my thing is and I, I said don't do it players always talk to the media because Coming from a guy like me, anything can happen. I talked to the media one time, and now I have a podcast. So shit can shit can go really well, and you know I want it to go well for other players. Right. But my thing is, don't talk shit in your interviews. My thing is, talk your shit on the field, because you're never gonna look dumb talking shit on the field if you're successful. So you know, punch a guy out, hold your dick, whatever it may be, whatever your thing is, go and do your thing. And then when the media comes and asks you questions, just be yourself, but also, like, you know, give credit to the guys who made the plays. Like, if in an interview I was like, yeah, no, I just, I'm a great pitcher, obviously we're going to win. I'm going to look like an absolute asshole because my whole thing was I got ground balls and someone had to field those balls and throw them to first base. And it sure as hell was not going to be me. So my thing is, if you're going to talk shit, and you're going to tell the people what's going to happen next game. Like, we aren't that so Raven. As much as I love that show and as much as co- of a great show it was to put Corey in the house on the map, this is college baseball. It's not Corey in the house. you got to understand that things like this are going to have the potential to come back and bite you right in the ass. Right. And that's what happened. And don't get me wrong, I'm so glad it happened because – it gave me a ton of engagement and a lot of fun things to talk about. And so I'm happy when players do stuff like this because, you know, I, I like shining a spotlight on all the weird things, the fun things happening in college baseball. I love guys talking shit. But also, if you're giving up 400-foot backside bombs, you probably weren't pitching in. That's my thing. And I, I get that. You I know, get that. I am more sympathetic Dylan, what's the first name again? Dylan? Dylan, Dylan Delusia, yeah. Dylan Delusia, you're my guy, all right? You can come by the men's household <laughs> for dinner at any time, okay? It's all love between me and you. Schusterman and Shock, they're they're not picking up what you're putting down. They hate you, dude. They're haters. That's, that me and no, I'll, I'll still love the guy. <laughs> no, I, I will I know, still man. love the guy, but... <laughs> So but I will say, huh? You kind of, kind of feel like an ass right now, don't you? Yeah, like he he did not set himself up for success. Is that that is that is what happened? <laughs> but I, right? here's like, the other thing. Here's he the took other a swing. My guy took a swing. Though. Here's the other interesting element of this was Dylan Delucia threw whatever seven innings in relief. He knew he was done for the weekend, so he yeah, was really that's a good point. He was really being like, "We're gonna win yeah. tomorrow. I'm gonna be sitting on the bench because I sort of did my job." Um, to help guys, which he did, right? That's true. <laughs> yeah. But it's really his teammates that kind of let it's him different. Down there. It's a good point. It's like if Joe Namath, it, it, it's like if a guy 
lost like a close game six of the World Series, like, starting pretty like well. a starting pitcher, starter, yeah. and was like, I guarantee we're going to win tomorrow. Right. Like, no, whereas, but again, that is it, confidence it, in your teammates, and like I understand it, right? And that I respect, and that sure. I respect. But it is totally. also, there is also and, something a little bit silly of not being able to like come <laughs> through on your of being able to come through on your own guarantee. It's one thing if he was the three hitter and he went zero for five, exactly. And he was like tomorrow, I'm going to you know sock some balls, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that that was one little My, thing. Go ahead, Chuck. My thing is, if if I'm him, I'm walking into the locker room tomorrow. Like, hey guys, what the fuck? You you heard what I said, right? Um, do you didn't guys you, you guys you just get, threw we me under the bus completely? We were supposed to win. Yeah. Did you not catch that? I, I told I told some local journal journalists that we were going to win today, um, <laughs> and we didn't. And that's on you guys. <laughs> I'm sure that would go over well. Um, quickly, quickly, this was not the only example of talking shit uh, this past week. There was another one. Uh, Arizona State um, lost a midweek game to Grand Canyon University. Grand Canyon University. Now, Grand Canyon is a, is a fascinating story. They were D2 for a while. They finally made the jump to D1. They were finally postseason eligible just a couple years ago. And now they are like a really, really fun, successful mid-major playing in the shadow of Arizona and Arizona State, two of the most storied programs in college baseball. And they beat Arizona State. And Ethan Long, after the game, who had two homers in the game and who I adore and I think should be like a top three-round pick, I think he's awesome, was basically asked – there was a little, little – got a little chippy during the game, and he was asked, like, what was that about? And he basically said, uh, they don't – like, we should never lose to them. We should never lose to that team. And he was like, yeah, I told them, like, you guys shouldn't even be on the same field as us. Now, the, he said this after they lost to them, right? And this, in some ways, is both maybe a little more extreme but also more appropriate because they will play again later this year in May. And this is more setting up and say, look, let's set the standard. Next time we come around, this is, this is no joke, right? And we're setting up and the same thing with Tennessee and Ole Miss, right? We hopefully could have that again, maybe in Hoover, maybe in the regional, whatever, you know, super regional. But I like this, but also the disrespect is thick here. The disrespect is thick, and guess what, Jordan? It's fair, and it's warranted. If I'm Ethan Long, and I play for the goddamn frickin' Sun Devils, you better believe we're Barry Bonds' frickin' jersey on the wall. <laughs> Dude, you better believe it's unacceptable to lose to a college named after a hole in the ground. Okay? That's not happening here. You understand me? And, like, to be fair to Ethan Long, like, he was asked about what he said during the game. So they, he, they were like, what did you say during the game? Now, to say that they don't belong in the same field as them is incorrect in the moment, 100%, because Grand Canyon might be as good, if not better, than them this year, because Arizona State looks to be pretty down. But as a whole, as an idea, as a concept, as a mantra, right, as an ethos to a, an organization, if I'm Arizona State and I'm content with losing to Grand Canyon – I got to transfer out of there, right? So I know it looks silly as something to say to somebody and to come up as a quote after you lost. Mm -hmm. But for me, that's not the purpose. I think this, yeah. compared to Delusia, that has a purpose. That is a team leader saying that something that happened was unacceptable. So I agree. I'm fine with this. And I'm also fine with Grand Canyon being like, yo, what the hell, dude? We just kicked. You're nuts. We kicked like, your ass. They beat Arizona 19 to three earlier this season. Like they, yeah, they're freaking play good. And they've earned respect. Absolutely. They've earned respect. Exactly. For, exactly. For, for Arizona State, they want to be in a place where Grand Canyon doesn't have the respect. Yes. Right. Yes. Like that's the world that those guys want to live in. Shock. I, what do you think? Yeah. My thing is, if you want that world, if you truly want Grand Canyon not to be on the same field as you, one, talk to your AD. They do the scheduling. But two. <laughs> Shit pump them, just shit pump them. No team wants to. No team wants to get on the field with you if you beat the piss out of them every time. But right. for me, Ethan Long, he has a lot more time before this would get you know exposed or brought back up because they aren't playing Grand Canyon again for a while, and you know he he might be banking on the fact like yeah I said that shit, but also you know people might forget. But Stephen Shock doesn't forget. I'm going to remember this. I got the tweet bookmarked, ready to go if they come back and they play each other again, or when they come back and play each other again. If Grand Canyon pumps them again, the, the tweet's going out. That's just how it is, and I remember these things. But 
like in a game, I understand like hit two nukes, be like, yeah, y'all don't belong on the same field as us. But yeah. if the scoreboard is not reflecting that, even though you hit two nukes, it's kind of like you don't belong belong on the same field as me. And then that turns into a me guy situation, which no one really wants. No one wants to be a me guy or anything like that. I'm not accusing Ethan Long of being a me guy. I'm sure he's a great teammate. I think but this is a we guy fact, move. I yeah, think this is I'm, a with, I'm more move. with Jake's interpretation. I think it's more of a like let's let's set the standard here. You know. Yeah. yeah, no, and I, I totally understand that perspective. I'm just saying, like, if it was something he said, like, chippy in the moment, sure. then me yeah. guy, like, you That's know, true. oh, I just hit another nuke. You guys shouldn't even f***ing pitch to me. I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry I said the F word. Uh, like, I get it. I get it all around, and I'm all for it. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm all about talking shit. Like, I, I don't want anyone getting a perspective that I'm not because that's something I love. It's something beautiful about the game of baseball because it's such, like, you know, it's a team sport, but there's a ton of individual moments. Mm-hmm. And anytime you got a pitcher thinking, oh, now I want to really shove it against this guy, that's when pitchers are going to mess up the most. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Ethan Long just showing out against them. But at the same time, he kind of just put a target on his back for no real reason at all. Well, May 10th, mark it on your calendars, folks. May 10th uh, will be the rematch. I love it. Any players that want to come on this podcast and talk shit about teams they're about to lose to, you're always welcome to come on and do that. Uh, From Tennessee Ole Miss, Jordan, Now I mentioned before that they're both number one teams, okay? And if you're listening, you're like, no, they're not. And I'm responding, yes, they are. Um, Now, the top of the 25 right now is very wonky. Everyone's losing to everyone. There is not a clear number one team like there was – Last year when Arkansas was, like, number one for, what, like a month and a half? More than kind that, of, yeah, because they, they, they basically didn't just, lose a series until very late. Um, or maybe they yes. yeah, didn't lose a series at all. So, But this was brought to our attention by a friend of the show, Aria Gerson, who covers Vandy, the, the, boy, the Vandy boys for the uh, Tennessean. <laughs> She's great. She's one of the best beat reporters out there in college baseball right now. She, she had a tweet. It's <laughs> so freaking funny. She goes, there's so much variance in the baseball polls right now that people argue over which one to use. Obviously, here at D1 Baseball, there's only one answer, but that's not the reality. The SEC's solution, Aria writes, is that uh, to simply use the highest ranking for each team, which means that they are the only league with four number one teams in the country. Arkansas, <laughs> Vanderbilt, Tennessee, and Ole Miss are all ranked number one by varying publications. And on the schedule, it says number one Tennessee at number one Ole Miss, which is incredible and the most SEC thing. It just matters more of all time. Yes, it is so funny. And, yeah, this is in the official, like, SEC media packet that they send out in the midweek, being like, all right, here are the games. And it just it just looks ridiculous. I honestly don't even know what poll still has Arkansas at number one, which is particularly goofy. But what is true in D1 Baseball, there are obviously D1Baseball.com. That's, that's our preferred poll. Uh, but there's the Collegiate Baseball newspaper. There's Baseball America. There's Perfect Game. There's the USA Today Coaches poll. Like, there are so many of polls. And so they're just like, eh, they're both number one. Sure. And when you look on the schedule, it's so funny because it's, if you look on Ole Miss's website, it says – we're playing number one, Tennessee, like on the team website, that, which is even goof, <laughs> arguably in some ways even goofier because you would think they would be like, no, no, no we're number one. Like, how we're could we number one? Like what? They're saying he we're playing was number one. <laughs> they were all number one. Uh, um, Shock, do players give a crap about rankings? Like when you guys are, you know, let's say like last year, you know, you're going to play like Florida State or something. All right. I don't know. I'm just using um, a random example. Like in their so, ranked no, no. Do you guys care? <laughs> um, honestly, not really. Um, I I cared very briefly for about a week before the season last year. We were like preseason number five, and then like the day that the rankings came out, Coach. O, I think we were number two actually at the time. Coach Oak had us all meet in center field and do an ab workout, which we do at the end of practice. And he goes, "By the way." I don't give a shit what people think about us. All that matters is who's standing at the end of the season. That's the number one team. And I was like, yeah, no, actually, that makes a whole lot of sense. And, you know, sure, I wanted to run through a wall after. But that whole perspective of, you know, rankings don't really matter, unless it's the D1 baseball ranking, of course. 
they don't matter till the end of the season, till who's standing on top. You know, the dust settled in Omaha and someone walked away with the W. That that's when the rankings matter the most to me. The rankings are who are they for, right? Is a good way to think about it. The rankings are for fans. So that if I turn on a game, if I'm a fan, I'm a casual fan, even at, like for me, I could turn on a game and I'm like, okay, number 14 LSU at number seven Florida. Like I know, I know that these two teams are like good and they're facing each other, right? And it gives me an immediate shorthand where I don't have to look up records or like strength of schedule or whatever. Someone smarter than me who's following the game closer than me could do that. When I was a player, I super cared. Like, and I'll totally say that. Like, when when we would pop into the top 25, that would be great. Because you're trying to earn respect, right? You obviously want to win games, but earning respect mattered to me too much. And looking back, it mattered too much. And I definitely let the rankings kind of influence me a little bit. Um, the, the drug of being, like, Wash U, my alma mater was number one last year for a couple weeks. And that was cool as hell. You know, number one in the country. It's cool as hell. <laughs> it's, it's cool as hell because there's a bajillion teams, and the notion of even being in the top 25, let alone number, top 10 or top 5 or top 1, is amazing. Like, think about what that means if you're in the top 25, considering how many schools will oh. never even sniff it, right? And so that is why, in some ways, it does matter and why players do care because it is a show of respect and, and an achievement in some sense because, obviously, you're playing it well enough to be recognized in that group, especially if you're not in a Power 5 conference and you are able to rack up enough good wins where you are making it into the top 25. Um, like, those are, you know, the, the Dallas Baptists of the world, like the mid-major. Like, that's, that's awesome. At the same time, but the teams at the top, like, you're only going down. And then it just becomes like, okay, <laughs> it's so hard to stay at number one, as we're seeing with all these teams. And we don't have – and in some ways it made me appreciate Arkansas even more last year. But it's like – it's honestly not even that fun to stay at the top because you're probably going to end up, you know, screwing up and, and, and <laughs> dropping a the few key, spots. Jordan, the key to life is to be like 2021 UVA and just suck ass for, you know, the first month <laughs> before you put all your crap together. Yes, that is well, way, yeah, way, way better strategy. Fortun- fortunately, a ton of people didn't take us seriously because we played at a big field. But well, just to put it in perspective, when we were ranked uh, 283rd at UMBC, no one gave a shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was, okay, when, well, we can only were, go up. Right. The, the retrievers were like, where are we at in the RPI, boys? <laughs> <laughs> um, no one was walking to the locker room with that question. It was more like, are we wearing shorts today or what? Uh, all right. Uh, that is uh, – we're, we're going to take a quick break. We have a, another a great, a great sponsor, and we'll be back uh, with the second half of the, of the Shock Factor. Jake, yeah, you have something, something? Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, Jordan, we're still finalizing, uh, you know, what some people would call a real sponsor. Um, but, you know, I've been on the grind. <laughs> I've been out here emailing businesses and – uh, got someone to sponsor this week's podcast Jordan. all right so we'll, we're gonna take a quick break and uh, we'll be back here on the shock factor today's podcast is brought to you by in-game naps college baseball could be exhausting especially if you were up boozing a storm until 3 a.m the night before so throw on that hoodie pretend like you're grabbing a set of j-bands and head down to the bullpen for an in-game nap if you're feeling particularly brave, don't even go down to the bullpen. Just pop a squat right there on the bench and pretend like you're locked into game action. Toss on a pair of shades and nobody will know the difference. There's no quicker way to your baseball dreams than with an in-game nap. Worried that you might have to pitch today? Well, stop worrying. Try an in-game nap. There's no way in hell you're getting into this game. You're a sophomore reliever on the seventh best team in the Patriot League. The head coach doesn't even know your name. So while coach is busy stressing out over his infield alignment in a game he's already losing by eight runs, take a melatonin gummy and put on some rainforest sounds and enter deep REM with an in-game nap. In-game naps. You won't get in trouble because nobody cares about you. (laughs) Thank you, in-game nap. (laughs) Have you ever taken an in-game nap? I've taken one or two in my life. I'll be honest. (laughs) Which, by the way, I assume those were the days where you did not pound three NASAs before you went to the field? No. No, God, no. 
there was uh there was one it was last year i i think it was like the day after the saturday on uh senior day i took we were in the bullpen i took like five j bands and made a quasi recliner with my folding chair and it was one of the best they should sell it at a mattress warehouse it was phenomenal Whew. All right. That was better than last week. I, yeah. I, I was happy with that. That was that was really <laughs> strong. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. I was all in on boss beers. <laughs> and we we will we will be back with more shock factor. Alright, we are back here on the Shock Factor podcast. Jake Jordan, Steven Shock. It's time for a little thing we like to call show and go, the big moments of the week and in college baseball. And we're going to start off with a kid who made a smart decision. Um, Yale played Princeton, and a kid named Jack, Jake Jerry hit four home runs. Smart kid. Yeah. Intelligent uh, decision. Jake, Jake Gar- Gary Jerry, let us know. Uh, here's, the, here's the lore behind this that I'm making up. Generally, if you're going to an Ivy League school, you can probably go to multiple Ivy League schools. <laughs> And I'm imagining that he was like Princeton didn't didn't want him. Mm. He got into all the other ones, right? And but Princeton didn't want him. Princeton didn't want Jake. And here he is, game three of this series against the Tigers in lovely Princeton, New Jersey. Catcher, a catcher. This dude caught the whole game and hit four freaking homers, including two grand slams. Oh my god. And guess what? He's going to have a great career. In baseball, who knows? But he went to Yale, so good for him. <laughs> Some of them go pro in things other than baseball. My guy hit four home runs, and you should see his SAT score. All right. Uh, that was not the best uh, homering situation of the weekend. As a real human being, not a, a Martian, homered off of Ben Joyce. Now, Ben Joyce is the gentleman on Tennessee throwing 104 miles an hour. And he allowed a home run. Harder they come in, the harder they go out. And this one went quite a ways against Ole Miss's 39-year-old, eighth-year senior, Tim Elko. Uh, Shock, you tweeted this clip out. Uh, what was your fi- – now, again, they were down yeah. 10 nothing. It's that- not like this swung the, uh, the old win probability. But <laughs> it was a sweet homer, I got to say. What was your favorite part of it? My, my favorite part of it was just the fact that the dude – it's like the Battle of the Juggernauts. It's like when Eric Gagne faced Barry Bonds, in my mind. Just two of the most impressive human beings, two of the kings at each of their respective trades, going at it. We got power on power. A ball that would have been out at Tennessee's small field by eons, just absolute eons. And it's like, how can you even react to that? Like, you you got to just guess where the ball is going to be, right? Well, he said cl- fastball. Yeah, yeah, he's. It, but I will say, uh, obviously, it's the first homer allowed this year by Ben Joyce, and <laughs> quite possibly the last. I, I mean, I we we will see if anyone else can t- you know time it up. Obviously, Tim Elko, clearly one of the best fastball hitters in the nation. Um, but it was just a beautiful swing, and even though Ole Miss uh, got embarrassed this weekend, that was a hell of a moment, and we love Tim Elko. So that was sweet. All for it. Uh, sticking to the SEC, this was freaking bizarre. Um, there was a, 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 a moment in the Auburn-Texas A&M game where a gentleman, uh, they, I think uh, Texas A&M was trying to, or no, Auburn, right? Auburn was hitting. Auburn. And they, it was top of the yeah. ninth, they were trying to, trying to stand against two, two outs, and he had a sort of a hit, a hit to left. And then they looked at the bat and they were like, just kidding, this bat is illegal, you're out. <laughs> Um, and the clip itself is hilarious because it's a guy getting a like a hit. Like there's no bang bang play. Right. And they go to the review, and then the umpire leaves the review and points to him and calls him out. And you're like, why? And you you then realize that he's holding the bat. Now there are new bat rules I think that have gone into place over the last couple of years where they are all checked pregame. And Shaq can speak to this better than I can. In like this weird like clamp vice device that like measures pressure on the bat and then a sticker is put onto the bat and the game is played with the sticker um but sometimes the sticker falls off shot can you shed some light on this bizarre situation 
Yeah, so it was Mason Land. He actually messaged me and was like, can you help me clear my name? He's got 53 tweets, so not an active Twitter user. But Let's clear it. Let's clear I, it right I here. just think, yeah, I just think it's very stupid because the way they test the bats, I, I don't understand the bat testing policy, but I do know when the bats are cleared and, you know, they can pass the test, they're given a little sticker. And the sticker is no – like there's been a lot of debate whether or not like it's like those security tag stickers where when you take it off it still leaves a mark or it doesn't i'm here to clear that it is about as secure as a gold star on my math test where i got a 73 in fifth grade and my teacher wanted to ensure that i wasn't the stupidest kid in the world so she gave me a gold star and the the stickers are not secure they're putting them on top of like a gallon of pine tar on most bats because that's where they put them on the little extension of the handle i think a knob would be a better placement but that's just me but these stickers can fall off pretty easily particularly if it's a bat that's been used for multiple weekends like some college guys will be like they'll go oh for five and be like "Ah, screw it this bat sucks i'm gonna go use a different one but each time it gets tested and approved, the sticker is put in the exact same spot. So, like, by the end of the season, these bats are having, like, what, like 20 stickers on them? It's pretty easy for the stickers to get lost and fall off. And also, it's not like the dude dropped a 500-foot bomb. I'm pretty sure right. it was an infield single to shortstop. It's like, do you really need to test Dude, the, the fact um, that this kid um kind of rolled over? The ump came out and, and, and picked up the bat. He's like, yo, this bat sucks. You're out. <laughs> <laughs> he, also, like, the thing that I don't understand about it, and, like, we could we could talk about what the system should be. I, I don't really want to get into that now. Um, although I agree with you. It seems like a, a, a crappy system. But um, why? Yeah. It was weird that the ump even picked up the bat in the first place. Like, I'm not even sure I understand how this was noticed why it was noticed like that that's what is bizarre yeah. to me that i don't understand um so if anyone could explain to me i think why, why it was checked in the first i place. think it was an umpire who was like wait i can get some attention here let <laughs> well, me do this well he sure did so um <laughs> i mean sure i mean testing bats sure i mean there are definitely schools that would try to use illegal bats that is definitely true so i'm not saying that testing bats should not be a thing but there's probably a better system uh than this um, and so that was weird and very yeah there, there's gotta be um, next play this was great uh, this was a play in the uh, South Carolina Tennessee game uh, Mr. Evan Stone in center field yeah. an incredible catch and kind of a, it kind of looked kind of nasty I mean he, he basically hit his head on the wall uh, and then he you know threw the ball back in and the clip he tweeted was, was pretty short but basically what happened was afterwards the pitcher uh, Matthew Becker who gave up the, the hit or at least the you know the ball in play. Apparently, he ran all the way back out. Like, I, I yeah. assume you were watching this. So, so to describe yeah. the scene for From, us. So it was South Carolina Vanderbilt. Sorry, I don't mean to correct you to sound like an asshole. I'm just doing it to do it. But um, Evan Stone makes this play on the track, kind of bangs his neck in a weird position on the wall, and it it looked terrible. Honestly, it was. I hate watching injuries. I. I Honestly, when I see an injury, I'll typically change the channel just because I feel terrible for these kids. And But I, I stayed on it, and I saw Matthew Becker, who, who was the pitcher at the time, run all the way out to center field to check on him. Like, you had the trainer out there, a coach out there, the left and right fielder were out there, and Matthew Becker. And I was like, wait a minute, isn't that the dude who's, who was just pitching? But I love seeing a pitcher who will go out and check on his guys and, like, Show that they actually care. Because, like, in the moment when you're competing, obviously you're drowning in competition. Like, you're focused on getting outs, making outs happen. And this dude had the had the feel to go out and check on his fellow teammate. I believe they're both freshmen, so fellow freshmen. And just make sure he was okay. You know, dap him up a little bit and give him a hug. Because I'm pretty sure the bases were loaded at the time. And they only scored one run from it. And just kind of say, like, hey, thanks for kind of putting it all on the line for me out there, man. Because, you know, in college baseball, I see it way too much where guys get on other guys for making errors and things like that. But, one, fielding a baseball is incredibly hard. There's a reason we're all pitchers. It's because we couldn't do that stuff well. So 
I, I never like when pitchers get upset with a guy making an error because errors happen. But seeing this side of the coin where it's, you know, a pitcher giving praise and thanking a teammate, that that's really awesome. Like, if if I'm a position player, I want to get more outs for Matthew Becker than any other pitcher just because of that. Not just uh, not just both freshmen. They're roommates. Looks like Matthew Becker responded to your tweet they saying this is roommate. They were roommates. And they were roommates. So. They were roommates. <laughs> so there you go. So even even better. But no, but you're 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 totally right. And actually, yeah, go ahead, Jake. This is the type of thing that people remember. I'll tell a quick story. Uh, when I played in the Little League World Series Regional, when I was 11 in Bristol, Connecticut. Drop three, it in there. Yeah, three games away from TV. Okay, we were close. Shouts out to the DC team. Uh, we lost a game on a walk-off. We were up one bases loaded two outs in the night in like the sixth or whatever fly ball to center field and our like in the gap and our center fielder like runs over it hits his glove and drops out and we lose right two kids score okay and everyone else like starts crying and i ran out to the kid because like he was my buddy and i gave him a hug right and my grandfather was there okay and it became the defining memory he had of me when he got old and developed dementia and passed away at the end, like at the end, he was like, I remember when you went out there wow. in the literally game and gave the kid a hug. Like he remembered nothing else. <laughs> like he, you know, very, he remembered like our names and like me giving this kid a hug. So if you're out there playing baseball, Hug your friends in public, because one day your grandpa will remember when his brain is turned to mush. That is amazing. I think I've heard the first half of that story and not the second half of that story, though. So thank you for sharing that, Jake. Wait, I think he, that is he, truly he remembered that? He remembered that and the question that my mom got wrong when to oh, yes. lose Jeopardy. Like, my mom was on Jeopardy, and she lost because yeah. she got, like, a, a question about libraries wrong, and my grandfather also remembered that until the end, which is hilarious. A uh, <laughs> couple more quick ones. Shock, you just mentioned uh, you're a pitcher because you can't field balls. Uh, well, let's talk about what happened uh, in Notre Dame. <laughs> Notre Dame oh, to no. Virginia Tech. Uh, I don't even know who this pitch, what this pitcher's name is, and that's fine. We don't need to bring him into this. But basically, it's a, bunt, it's a bases-loaded bunt. They're already down two runs. Bases-loaded bunt by Virginia Tech. One out, left-handed pitcher, fields it in front of the mound. He – shock, how much time did he have exactly to, to throw the ball to first base? Um, he could have eaten the Arby's beef and cheddar, diarrheaed it out, and the guy still would have been running to first wiped. base. Wiped. Approximately. Wiped. Approximately. Cleaned. And wiped, wiped. yes. Let, washed Thorough his hands, wiped. left the bathroom. Sanitized. Sanitized. And still could have gotten him out. But instead, as many pitchers in college baseball do every weekend, every weekend, Mm. at every level, Mm. it just he just sorted into right field. Oof. Toss that baby just chuck it down the line. Just a good (laughs) give that give that right fielder give that right fielder some running to do. Um Um, I love this. Here's what I love about this particular one. Is often you'll see a pitcher field a bunt or a chopper or a dribbler oh, or a, a nubber or whatever, and they'll look rushed. And you'll see from the get-go that there's no way they're making the play, right? This guy did not <laughs> look rushed. Like, he feels the ball steady. He sets his feet. He pivots nice and controlled. And then the ball just scrapes off the moon. <laughs> he, fooled, he fooled everybody. <laughs> So, uh, what an effort by the first baseman who gets some serious airtime, by the way. I'm watching this back. Um, the other thing about this, and I say this much more because Jake and I have seen this exact play happen already like five times in the few Division Three games that we've gone to this year, which is that on this play, I need the right fielder booking it as soon as the ball is bunted. Because... And the right field did a pretty good job here. You can see he's already running, like, as the ball is soaring. Like, not even once it gets past him. Like, he's clearly get, got, he got an inkling, like, uh-oh, I, I better get moving. Um, but I need – because sometimes that, – because that could be the difference between, you know, two or three runs scoring. So, uh, during the Cold War uh, – <laughs> Of course. During the days of uh, – of, of, I believe it was Ronald Reagan in the, in the 80s, during the end of the Cold War – 
This is maybe particularly relevant as we tumble towards the potential <laughs> World War III, but there was a, a phrase that he had <laughs> regarding uh, the nuclear dearmament of mm. the Soviet Union, Jordan. And that phrase was trust, <laughs> but verify. Trust, but verify. And if I was a right fielder and my pitcher was picking up a bunt, I would live on the ethos of trust, <laughs> but verify. And I would get my ass down the line. Because here's my thinking. If the catcher can book it to behind first base on routine ground balls, I need my right fielder booking it to behind the first baseman on what should be easy bunt fielding. That's that's kind of what I'm thinking. Okay, uh, Shock, I'm, your, your I'm thoughts on this I'm going to be play? honest. Well, first of all, I'm a, li- I'm a little shocked at how, how well Jake just tied in the cold war to Notre Dame versus Virginia Tech. So I'm impressed by that, first of all. I don't use that history degree just for wiping my butt, okay? (laughs) You were talking about the guy from Yale being smarter than you, and I don't think that's the case. I don't think he's thinking about the Cold War during games. But just as a pitcher, I'm always holding my breath whenever I see a PFP fielded. Not because I know it could go wrong and, you know, runs might score. But because I know that if a PFP is botched during the weekend, it is 100% all we're doing for the midweek practice. And so not only did this, you know, I mean, they were already losing, I'm pretty sure. So this didn't cost them the game necessarily. The game was cost way earlier. But it did cost every pitcher at least 10 reps of PFPs. And that involves, for some of you who may not know, also – covering the bag at first base on grounders to first. So you're going to get a little bit of running in, which for a pitcher, any amount of running is way too much running in my mind. So I, I just, I feel for Notre Dame knowing that today was, or tomorrow's their off day. Tuesday, they might have a midweek, but Wednesday, Wednesday is PFP absolute festival. <laughs> um, you're so right. You're, you're spot on my friend. Uh, all right. Just one more. And then guys. we'll get yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, those poor guys. <laughs> I pour one out for them. I'm thinking of them. All right, uh, one more. Uh, we just wanted to give a little shout-out to to the dogs. Mississippi State, we won a series this weekend against Alabama. Two walk-offs Friday and Saturday, including a Jaeger bomb walk-off, which was amazing, R.J. Jaeger. Uh, and they have not had the easiest start to the year. Not Again, you don't have to feel bad for Mississippi State. But obviously, they lost some, some, some games that they shouldn't. They lose Landon Sims. But it would appear from the first two games of the series that Mississippi State at least somewhat has their swagger back. And it was just great to see Duty Noble in peak form once again after uh, some, some uh, uncharacteristically quiet games uh, in Starkville uh, over the first month or so of the season. If you hate yeah. the dogs or you love the dogs, you gotta respect the dogs because this is the pinnacle of college baseball from a fan perspective. It, it's kind of a dead horse. Like it comes up all the time. And like I think a lot of casual baseball fans know that Mississippi State is the place for college baseball. But then you watch a highlight from a walk off on a Friday night down there and you're like, yep, like that's it. Like nothing. <laughs> compares right chalk like you got to admit that yeah and I'll, I'll be the first to say it mississippi state fans are some of the nicest and most welcoming people like for a week there after the college world series they were mean to me and then that then they turned they pivoted to being just incredibly nice people and that's what college baseball i feel like is really all about and especially mississippi state fans like they'll heckle a guy in left field they'll chew his ear out for a whole weekend and they'll feed the guy the best food they can make like that that's incredible i love mississippi state fans i need to get down to the dude to experience a game in real life and you know see what it's really like because just from every twitter clip i see of mississippi state i'm just like damn i wish i was in that stadium right now it looks like so much fun uh kendall rogers if you're still listening to this podcast let us all go to the dude on your on, on the company dime. Make it yeah. happen. Let's make it happen. All right. Make it happen. I'm here for it. All right. I'm here. I, you're not against it? All right. Uh, Jordan, let's let's peel back. I know this is the D1, D1 Baseball Podcast Network, but we go beyond just D1. 
We're going to talk a little NAIA, Jordan, which stands for No Idea About It. N-I-A-I. <laughs> so close. <laughs> Nicely done, our good friend. Uh, Jake Gary, you are smarter than Jake Vince. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, now, he has proven it. It's it's official. Uh, now, Stephen Shock, as always, you're you're keeping us in the loop about you know some of the, some of the top tier performances, and you know we we don't want to just be like oh this guy had a great game, but this one very much caught my attention. And since it is our Beyond D1 segment, we're gonna go a little deeper here. As uh, you tweeted, oh shouts out to Jong Ju Kim from Dort Baseball. Dort. Dort. D O R D T Baseball. Friend Dort. Who, yeah, he just mentioned. Dart. <laughs> Dart. You just you just said this earlier. He, you, you tweeted this. Absolutely put the team on his back today. You just said he threw an eleven inning complete game with twenty one Ks and only surrendered one earned run. I was like I was like scrolling across your feet and I was like I'm sorry. What did he do? Like what was that? <laughs> so, and I was like that's weird. I sort of recognize that name. So let me tell you about Mr. Jong Ju Kim because this is a truly incredible story that goes far beyond the gentleman striking out 21 guys in an 11 inning complete game victory. Jong Ju Kim, if you cannot guess, was born in Korea. He grew up in Korea. Was there just grew up in Korea the whole his whole, his whole you know childhood and whatever. Uh, his family moved to Seoul. He was in grew up in Busan. Moved, family moved to Seoul. And, and his whole just, childhood, he dreamed of playing at Dort. <laughs> Dort, right. Okay. <laughs> so, he – now, look, obviously, baseball is huge in Korea, right? So, he loves baseball. He's playing baseball. But my guess is he wasn't necessarily good enough to maybe go pro or maybe play in college or whatever. But he loved baseball. He was a pitcher. Great. He, in 2017, he attends a showcase in Dallas, Texas. Okay. How he finds out about the showcase, why I don't forgive me, can't answer those questions. I would love to find out. If you if you know John Drew Kim, if you're part of this, please let me know. This is a story. I'm getting this all, by the way, from a story on DortDiamond.com from last mm, year. Dortnet. Okay. Dortnet. So there's a long there's longhorn the network. Dorkernet. <laughs> there's the Longhorn Network and there's Dort.com. DortDiamond.com. Okay? So this is this is a story from last year, all right. Um 2017, and he goes to a showcase, and he gets Dort. connected. He gets connected with <laughs> a coach, assistant coach named Nathan Bacon. Nathan Bacon. Where is Nathan Bacon at? He is at the University of the Ozarks, which is a Division three school. And Nathan Bacon is like, "Yo, come pitch for us at the University of the Ozarks." And John Drew Kim is like, "Hell yeah, dude! I am going to pursue my dream, and I'm going to pitch." in america amazing he goes to the university of ozarks and guess what he was pretty damn good he was you know era over six his freshman year but then sophomore year 2018 a 333 era in 70 innings really good facing some solid competition out there uh in the in the old uh, asc uh that, that we jake and i are so familiar with and then what does he have sure. to do? oh he has to go back to korea to complete his military service so he, oh, so he returns shit. to Korea uh. <laughs> and does 19 months of military service. And during that, he is not he, – he's not really – I mean, he's training, but he's, he's, like, not really getting to play very much baseball, okay? In that – during that time, Nathan Bacon becomes the head coach at Jake – Dort! Dort! At Dort! Dort! <laughs> John Ju Kim completes his military the service. The Dort Army. <laughs> John Ju Kim completes his military service. And he's like, well, I got eligibility. I want to keep pitching. Thank he you for your service. He returns to America, <laughs> to Dort University. Gentlemen, it's like in North Dakota? Gentlemen, I'm, do you know where Dort University is? I believe it's Sioux Falls, North Dakota. <laughs> no, it is in Sioux Center, Iowa. You idiot. I cannot believe you did God, not What know. a moron. He goes, I can't believe I called him smart earlier. <laughs> is it in Dort Town? University of the Ozarks, <laughs> which is in Arkansas. But then he goes to – so he's already sort of familiar with this part of the country. So, okay. Jordan, would you say he was Dort-bound? He was <laughs> Dort. My, my thing goes, is I love thinking about how fired up he was when he got a text saying, you want to come pitch at Dort? <laughs> so he goes to Dort. And what does he do in 2021? 
Oh, no big deal. He sets the school record for strikeouts. Last year, he strikes out 99 guys in 68 innings. My dude was getting yoked in the military. In the Great Plains Athletic (laughs) Conference. NAIA. What sort of a... Do they do driveline in the Korean military? (laughs) It's a great question. I cannot cannot answer that. Again, please let us know. Basic training and and weighted balls. Uh, the Dort for grenades, gentlemen. The Dort defenders, the Dort defenders. He goes to pitch for the Dort defenders. He sets the record for most strikeouts in a season. He returns this year in 2022, and my guy has been an absolute beast so far this season. Even before this amazing one earlier, he had an 11 strikeout game against Trinity Baptist. He had a seven inning, eight strikeout game against Judson. I mean Judson. I mean, guys, come on. Dort! Last week, he had a seven-inning uh, shutout against seven, uh, seven strikeouts, uh, seven squirrels against Midland. And then, this weekend, against Hastings, at Hastings. On the road? That's On a tough place to road. play. In their house. <laughs> In their freaking house. In their freaking house. I could hear Dort coming. Click, clack. Here comes Kim on the mound. He's their ace, right? Of course. Hastings goes up one nothing. Oh no! In the third inning, but they're not—they're not losing faith in their guy, right? Dort ties it in the seventh. Uh-uh. Tie game. We go to extras, and guess who's still pitching? John uh, Kim. John Kim. He's racking up the case. The run that scored was obviously not earned. <laughs> we get to the eleventh, where. The defenders take the lead on an RBI double from, get this name, Luke November. Mr. November, hello? <laughs> Mr. November, dear, get out of my face. All right. Luke November. The legal Mr. November. <laughs> Luke no- <laughs> Jeter, change your name. Luke November puts him up. It's two to one. They get another run in. It's three to one. And who comes out for the bottom of the 11th? Who cares that he's well over 130 pitches? It's Jongju Kim. Look who's coming back out. Look who's coming back out. And what does... By the way, Luke November then moves to catcher for some reason for the bottom of the 11th. What a hero. Ride the hot hand. And what does Jongju Kim do in the bottom of the 11th? Strikes out the side. Strike out, strike out, strike out. Game over. The final line, 11 innings, three hits, one run, not earned, one walk, 21 MF in punchies. On 138 pitches. On 138 pitches. Da-na-na, da-na-na. This is <laughs> Dort <can> we... Center. <laughs> <laughs> and, and not to forget the part where he went to war for three years. <laughs> Not no, war. Not war, war, shock. Military service is not Close war. enough. Okay, let's be very Close. clear. All, okay. the other, all the other guys at Dort are like, I'm going to battle for my, for my, for my teammates. And, and Jung Ju Kim's like, no, you're not. No, you're not. Let's be very clear. Not <laughs> war, okay? He, military service is very different, okay? But, hey, he was, that, is, that is, you interpret it as you may, okay? Now, let me set the record is, straight. He, let me set the record straight for any critiques. That were that people listening to this being like, oh, you're making fun of Dort. No, no, we're not. <laughs> no. We're making no. fun of the Huge name. Fans. We're making fun of the name Dort. Yes. The school being named Dort is funny. And if you go to Dort and you can't recognize that, I can't help you. Also, screaming Dort. If I went to Dort, all I would do would be to scream Dort wherever I went. Now, but Dort the baseball. <laughs> I want a program, Dort sweatshirt. I want Dort Dort baseball. I would wear it all the time. If my Dorters are listening, Jordan, does your building have a Dort man? Anyway, my point is that like the Dort baseball <laughs> experience, that I'm not making fun of. All baseball is great. All baseball is worthwhile. Jungju Kim's performance, we're not we're not dunking on that. That is incredible. We are celebrating it. I just think it's funny to say Dort. I'm with you. Yeah, uh, it sounds exactly like Dork. <laughs> it does. And now we have to shout out, of course, Lou Dort, uh, Oklahoma City Thunder uh, three guard. Uh, who is, is one of my, my brother's favorite players. So I'm used to hearing Dort, although Dort with the D thrown in there too mm. gives it a little extra you know, pizzazz with the, with the pronunciation. 
Dorta, 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 Dorta the Dorta. Explorer. Um, so we love Dort. <laughs> I'll be watching. I am, no, no joke, like extremely amped for his next start because clearly oh, yeah. he is on one right now. Uh, so we love Jong Ju Kim. We love the Dort defenders. We would this, take some Dort gear. This is, please send us. He, I mean, I will wear that stuff all please. day long. Uh, we'll just, get, I mean, please, please. So we love this story. He this is, is the yeah. Ted Williams of NAIA. This is why just, we, <laughs> you're right. This he is didn't go to no war. Difference. He didn't he, go to war. He, yeah, yeah. That, let, he let, was closer than I ever was, okay? <laughs> or will be. <laughs> or will be. Um, yeah, honestly. That's true. That If, if you, that is your, your standard, that is true. Uh, the point is, this is a badass story. This is why we go beyond D1. Um, and thank you for joining me on this journey. Stephen Shock, this has been another episode of the Shock Factor podcast. Final thoughts before we send you all uh, into the week. Look, I, I had a great time. You know, I hope you guys did too. I hope, you know, we had a beautiful journey. And I hope you learned something along the way too. Whether it's about comparing the Cold War to Virginia Tech and Notre Dame. Where it is very, very cold at Notre Dame, which I, w- I will point out. That was not the comparison we drew, but still similar. But if you take away anything from this podcast episode, just know Jongju Kim and the Dort Defenders are an absolute force to be reckoned with. And when Jongju is on the mound, if you're on the other team, don't even bother bringing a bat to the plate. Because he's going to punch you out, and you're just going to have to deal with it. Jake Mintz. And that's all I got. I think that's I think we'll end on that. Uh, I'm gonna you. go take a I'm gonna go take a post pod in game nap. <laughs> thank you to in game nap <laughs> for sponsoring this episode. Thank you, Jake Mintz. <laughs> thank you, Steven Shock, and uh, we will talk to you all uh, next week. Bye.